This is New Bedford's News Talk Station, the place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. And the third and final hour here on Friday morning. And that means it is time for us to be joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her today is Ward 3 City Councilor Sean Oliver. Good morning, Councilors. How are you? Good morning, Tim. It's, uh, it's, it's a much better morning than it has been earlier this week, that's for sure. No, no rainstorms uh, <laughs> starting off the day. Yeah, my dog's not cowering in the corner this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been quite a week. Uh, of course, th- this is the one of the biggest duties that the city council has is uh, is approving the budget every year. And on Monday, uh, cuts were made to the budget, just under $9 million in cuts. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the process that went through, the process that you went through for that. And then we can kind of get into some of the mayor's comments on, on Wednesday about that. But Council President Morad, can you kind of walk us through how the council looks at what cuts to make? Well, this process has been going on well before me. Um, as you know, the administration meets with its department heads. There's no public input during that process, nor is there any input from the council. And they come up with what they want to present as a budget. And that's presented in open session. And then the council, over a course of three-week period, uh, speaks to the department heads regarding their budget, and what their goals are, what their accomplishments were from the prior year. Uh, those sessions were long this year. We did every department. And... Um, we had long conversations with the department head, all in open session. Uh, most of my colleagues participated in the discussions. Once those discussions are done, and that includes the school department, once those discussions are done, uh, counselors are responsible each individually for reviewing the budget and determining what areas they feel there might be excesses in. And everybody does that individually. And then they submit to the council office a listing of their budget recommendations. Once each counselor submits their rep- their recommendations um, and the spreadsheet that we utilized on Monday night is created, counselors are then invited to go in and view their colleagues. And if they concur with those uh, recommendations, they can add their name to them, either prior to the meeting or on the floor of the meeting. Each one of those items is then uh, brought up before the council. Again, this is op- all in open session. Uh, you're welcome as a counselor to stand and talk about what your cut is and why you're recommending it. Uh, several of my colleagues did that. They stood, and from time to time, a colleague will stand and say why they're, you know, not in favor of a certain cut. And that session was a very long session, as you know. Once the, that session is completed, we, we have several people in the chamber with us that are keeping track. We adjust the budget recommendations from the administration by the amount of a cut. And, and, and Councillor Oliver, what did you think going through this process for the first time? Well, it uh, definitely is, a, like, like um, you know, Council President Moore had said, it's a, it is a lengthy process. Um, but it was, it was absolutely, you know, great to take part in um, to see, you know, um, different areas that my colleagues felt um, needed some attention or um, uh, thought there may be a little bit of, 
of, of fluff in a particular area. But it was definitely good to see, you know, those those counselors get up, talk about the, their their process that they went through in this particular instance um, and why they felt this way about that. Um, but it, it is definitely um, a great check and balance that the city has uh, for the council to go through this budget and really take a look at it um, because we nobody else really gets to to see it. It's just kind of you know spoken spoken about through with the different department heads. They present um, what they're um, looking to do um, for this next fiscal year uh, based on what they've done in the last fiscal year, and um, and and they, they they come in front of the council and say this is what it is, and and we get to uh, kind of. Uh, not so much pick it apart, but, you know, maybe fine-tune it. And Council President Morad, uh, the mayor was on with, with Chris and Marcus on Wednesday. He called this process hugely flawed, and he said that, um, that this is a quote, he said, there's no debate, they have refused to turn over their proposed cuts, which they have to submit days before the hearing itself to the media, to the administration, or to anybody. So he's, he's calling out the idea that these cuts have not been made public prior to the actual meeting itself. Is Is that something that you know, that uh, that needs to be adjusted, the way that those are put out there? Well, I challenge him back to ask him why that's hugely flawed when he creates his budget behind a closed door. There's no releasing to the media what he's thinking prior to the budget coming forward. As a matter of fact, every year, again this year, Council Oliver can attest to that, department heads show up to uh, defend their budget only to find out that things that they had suggested as part of their budget hearing process uh, were not put forth in the budget. And, you know, so he's not even talking to his own department heads uh, from the time they have their meeting talking about their budget proposals till the time he submits the item to us, um, you know, as to what his recommendations are. So I think his process might be slightly flawed as well. I don't think the process is flawed. Um, you know, we have done this now forever this way. There's been no no issue in the past. Um, you know, I'm certainly hoping this isn't a, I didn't get what I want, so now I'm going to stand up and say there's something wrong, uh, which we've seen before from this administration. Uh, there is a check and balance in the system. You know, uh, John Mitchell may not like what happened from the council's perspective. I would bet no mayor likes what's happened uh, from the council perspective, but it's been this way on a regular basis. And so now he has a budget. He needs to manage the numbers that he's been uh, allocated by the council. The council will work with him if the council has an issue. Uh, I'm sorry, if the administration has an issue and we have a discussion, the council will work with him. But I don't see how the process is flawed at all. And as far as it not being open, um, there is a notification that we're going to have a budget uh, preparation. There are many times when we have something on the agenda. It happened last night uh, where there, the information that the council is going to deliberate has not been made public prior to the meeting. It happened last night. Uh, Jamie Pop presented his changes to the water and wastewater, I'm sorry, to the wastewater rates last night. That document was presented to us in session last night. So I don't know what's flawed about the budget process. The same thing happened. You didn't see those numbers in the media prior to us getting them last night. Neither did the general public. And uh, just quickly on, on the budget process. So the this you know, $8.77 million was, was cut, but there'll be the opportunity for the administration to go back looking for, you know, supplemental payments to cover some of those cuts later on. Does that make the cuts, for lack of a better term, you know, more more ceremonial if you're just going to have to pay out that money anyway? 
I don't think we're going to have to pay out that money. The goal here is not for you to spend it. The goal is for you to allocate your money so that you spend $8 million less in fiscal 24. It's not that you go spend it and come back with your handout. That's not which, what the uh, intention of the cuts were. So there's, Tim, there's plenty of money in the budget. Um, you know, last year we were moving, we moved almost $6 million around last year at the end of the year. Uh, a bulk of it in the police department and some of it from the fire department, from inspectional services, from several departments, who uh, DFFM, uh, Department of Public Infrastructure. We moved a lot of money around last year at the end of the year. There is money in the budget. So because the cut was made in GGU, and I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with that, but my colleagues for some reason don't want to um, reduce specific departments. That's obviously their prerogative. My cuts were across the board in every department, but the cut, cuts that I recommended. But, okay, you don't want to uh, hit a specific department. You want the administration to manage the cut. I understand that, and I support that. But the idea is not for you to come with your hand out again. If for some reason you hire every open rec that we have in the city, and I, I don't have that number in front of me, but it's a lot. It's like 70-some-odd open positions. You go ahead and hire all those positions, and you spend that money, uh, then that's the time for a uh, supplemental budget request. Not now. Not not before you even start reallocating the expenses that you have, um, you know, put in your budget. I don't know. Uh, Council Oliver, you know, I want to compliment Council Oliver. He's been here three months. Um, it's just so much all at once. But he was at every budget hearing with us. He asked good questions. Um, you know, I wasn't surprised that he didn't offer cuts this year. I wasn't expecting that he would. Um, you know, but he, I'm sure he learned a lot in the process. Yes, Councilor Oliver, going through that process and seeing the cuts that were made, how did you feel about the, the cuts that were being proposed? Uh, absolutely. Definitely been trial uh, by fire, you know, coming into a lot of things right off the bat. Um, but um, the, the process, I think the process is, is pretty open. We're presented with, um, you know, each each department's uh, budget. And, um, and then we... we you know, over a series of three weeks, we we go through these these different departments um, and 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 put down you know uh, you know cuts that we feel that each that each counselor um, feels um, maybe uh, justified, and you know, we, we get up and, and speak on them, and um, we have we have a, a opportunity to uh, reach out to our, our colleagues and um, you know uh, lobby each other to to see you know hey listen this is. Um, what I feel, and this is how, and and some things are said within those uh, debates and within those um, those council chambers that you know make you you know think, oh, okay, I, I wasn't aware of that, or I wasn't, you know, the process is pretty pretty open, it's open to the public, um, and it, it definitely opened my eyes a lot to what happens within those 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 council chambers. Um, I, I think that um, a lot of folks have a um, different opinion as to what really goes on in those chambers. I, mean, I, I always, um, you know, welcome folks to, to come on in and, and, and see the work that really gets done in there. So, um, I, 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 I feel like um, it's 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 a lengthy process, but it's a process that we need. We, you know, we're we're tied by the the, the, the people of the city to um, really, you know, dig down and um, where we've asked folks. You know, residents to do a lot with less money over the last couple of years because of you know COVID and pandemic and 
um, things like that. So uh, I, I, I felt that it was time that the city do the same. You know, we can't keep coming to the table and asking the taxpayers of the city for more money and more money and more money. Um, I, th- I think that the city can do uh, more with less, and now it's time for us to, to really do that. And I'll follow up on that. Thank you, uh, Councillor, for saying that. You know, uh, if this budget had covered the statutory obligations that we have and had added um, a small amount of money in it for, um, you know, for what the city projects to be its utility costs in 2024, uh, he may not, the administration may not have seen one cut. But that's not what was presented to us. What was presented to us was a budget that, um, very much increase the numbers for the utilities across the city. It also had enhancements in it, including new programs, uh, a lot of new staff ads. Uh, even even with the, all the openings we have in the city, we're asking for new people. Uh, it's just it's unrealistic to ask the taxpayer. The taxpayer doesn't live like that. The taxpayer, you know, cuts back here, there, and everywhere. One of my colleagues, Councilor Pereira. You know, he said, I, I cut a little out of every department. I think if everybody cuts a little, you know, we can all get together and we can get through it. That's how that budget should have been structured, but it wasn't. And, you know, that budget had, was a $45 million increase from the year before. $3 million of it was offset by opera funds. $45 million in one year. Un, un, unrealistic for the taxpayers to have to foot that bill. Well, speaking of bills, the taxpayers are going to be footing, Council President Moride. You mentioned that the sewer rate was set last night, and people are anxiously listening, like, all right, what happened? What's the sewer rate? So there was a small cut in the department uh, in the wastewater budget this year. It was a little over 300000 and that um, allowed the number to decrease a small amount. Uh, it, it didn't decrease as much as most of us would like, but there was a decrease. The original proposal in the percentage increase prior to the budget cut was 7.7, and the uh, new modified cut rate is now 6.2, and it reduced the av- the proposed average monthly, uh, I'm sorry, average annual uh, bill from $627 to $618. So. Um, you know, some relief was given. Uh, we're, we're our backs against the wall here. There's no way, unless we, you know, absolutely modify the way we run the Department of Water and Wastewater. You know, we have structural deficits here that have to be covered. It's not pretty. It's not nice. Um, the residents in the city for a long time have enjoyed a lower sewer and water rate than similar cities, and that's not a justification for what we're doing. But unfortunately... We have all these unfunded mandates that have been thrust upon us by um, the DP, DP and EPA. And, you know, we don't have funding from Washington. We need money from Washington. Council Gomes is constantly saying we should be in Washington every single week with our handout asking for money to offset this. That coupled with the fact that the administration is not willing to utilize opera funds uh, to reduce the burden on the taxpayer as it relates to structure, infrastructure projects, um, is, is causing a problem. But we need to do something between now and next year because next year's projected rate is 13.5% on top of 9% last year. This year's rate, next year's projected at 13.5%. Um, you know, people, people are going to definitely feel this in their wallets. 
Well, one of the conversations that's been happening here on the air for the last uh, week or so has been the removal of the benches that will be uh, moved aside in the council chambers to put in a new a new television. And also, you had a meeting that actually had to be suspended last week because of disrupted behavior. Council President Morad, what, what steps are you taking here to to make sure that people can be involved in the process, but also to make sure that decorum is maintained? So we had meetings actually that were suspended because of disruptive behavior and we had one meeting that was a circuit because of that um you know for a while now the council is aware that we are going to upgrade our technology this is funny me saying this we're going to upgrade our technology in the in the council chamber and in preparation of that we now have our smart board on the uh on the west wall which is close to where the podium is. In preparation for that, we removed one of the benches that was, uh, we actually removed one a while ago, but we removed the second bench that was against the wall so that we could do the construction and so that we could do some other things in the chamber. We moved the council mailboxes, we moved a couple other things, and we have now placed the bench that we removed back in the chamber. So we haven't lost the seating. And the smart board is up on the wall. We're awaiting the cable that, like everything else in the world, is on back order. Uh, that cable will allow uh, Jim Marshall and the cable access people to have a direct feed from the smart board versus having to put a camera on it, which oftentimes skews the public's ability to see because of the glare, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we expect that that cable will be in shortly. And, you know, again, we're, we're done at this point, I think, with the... Uh, with the changes in the council chamber, we have a couple of holes in the wall that we have to fix, but otherwise we're, you know, we're looking pretty good there. Um, you know, regarding the disruptive behavior, we have one um, person who is, is, has been our issue for a while now. Um, we have asked the chief of police to work with us so that we can conduct our business. I mean, we're just, we're just trying to have orderly meetings without having, um, people both at the podium uh, feel uncomfortable and also people who are trying to view or listen to what the person is presenting to us uh, be able to concentrate on it. We have now had two undisruptive meetings, or three maybe, three because we had two last night, and hopefully that trend will continue. Would, would you consider opening the balcony? I know uh, Jack Blaine mentioned that that's at your discretion to allow seating up there. So there's a couple issues with the balcony. First of all, there's, there's a lot of stuff up there right now as departments are being renovated in City Hall. We've been using that area as a storage area to move things in and out so that DFFM doesn't have to lug them to another facility. Second of all, um, it's very uncomfortable um, the way the angle of that uh, balcony is. And, you know, someday when you're in City Hall, these C-Clerk barriers will take you up there. So we're, you know, we're obviously concerned about having somebody up there topple over the banister. Mm. So we do open that when we have an overflow of people. Um, sometimes when we have our celebration meetings and we bring the kids from across the city in, we'll open that balcony to allow people to go up there. We haven't done that in a long time because, as I mentioned, of the reconstruction in City Hall. But uh, sometimes we'll let departments sit up there, department heads sit up there because, you know, they're city employees and Hopefully they won't pop over the balcony. But we haven't traditionally used that for quite a while now. Um, and it's been several of the presidents who have indicated that, you know, we're uncomfortable with that. If we don't need to use it, we'll leave it closed. 
All right, well, we just have a few moments remaining here before we have to go into the news. But uh, it is Cape Verdean Recognition Week is, is going to be underway, and there's going to be um, the parade and everything. This is, this is really one of the signature events for the city. Uh, Councillor Oliver, you get to participate in this for the first time as a councillor. Yeah, um, you know, pretty much that could be said for almost everything, you know. <laughs> True. Um, I've, uh, <laughs> I, a, a, lot of, a lot of firsts, um, but they've all been great. You know, the, the, uh, the uh, last parade that we had was, uh, was, a, was a great experience, a Memorial parade. Um, that, um, it, but it, it's really great to see the people come out, line the streets, um, you know, and, and everybody waves regardless of, of you know, whatever it is because everybody's just out there having a, having a good time. The kids love it. Um, to see the look on their faces as, as you walk by and they're, they see whether it's the fire truck or the autism vehicle or the band or even sometimes us, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really great. And, and it's a great event. And I encourage everybody, whether you live in the city or not, to come out um, because this is one of our uh, signature parades. Yeah, plus who doesn't love a parade? And on top of that, I mean, with Cape Verdeans, all their restaurants are open. This is similar to the Portuguese folks when they do that, their celebration in August. But, you know, all the restaurants are open and uh, people are uh, come out of the neighborhoods. All the people in the housing authorities, they're in their yards. And everybody's enjoying each other's company. So these are wonderful community events. Well, I think everybody's looking forward to it and a great way to kind of kick off the summer. I want to thank you both for joining me this morning. And, and Council President Morad, you'll be back next Friday with Councilor Markey. I will have Councilor Markey with me. Yes, I will. Uh, we missed you last week, Tim. We hope whatever you were doing, you enjoyed. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely. Yeah, I got, to, I got to be on Block Island for the first time. And all I did was tell everybody how much better it is in New Bedford. Yeah. No, but it is a, that is a very too. quaint place. Yes. Did you enjoy it? I did. I had a great time. Yeah. I was I was able to stay with somebody that lives there and really get like the you know, the resident Block Island experience too, not just the touristy stuff. So it was it was really really nice time. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Good for you. All right. We will uh, we will talk again next week and uh, both of you have a great weekend and uh, and take care out there and enjoy the parade. You too, Tim. Have a good one. Thank you, Tim. That is Council President Linda Morad and Ward 3 Councilor Sean Oliver. We are now going to go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. When we come back on the other side, we can get more of your thoughts at 508-996-0500. You can also send us app chat messages on the WBSM app or open line voicemails on the WBSM app. Right now, let's go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. The Supreme Court will rule today on two cases involving President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan and another concerning protections for LGBTQ people. One of the student loan cases is a challenge by six Republican state attorney generals who argued that the loan forgiveness policy violates the separation of powers and the Administrative Procedure Act. The LGBTQ plus case was brought by a Colorado web designer who argued that she has a First Amendment right to refuse to design websites for same-sex weddings. Folks are hitting the road, rails, and skies for what's expected to be record-high numbers of people traveling for the 4th of July holiday weekend stretch. This woman got to Newark Airport early this morning. Smooth coming in, no traffic. Um, Happy to see there's no really long lines. Get just being patient. Airlines are still dealing with some understaffing issues, and some airports have had a rough week because of severe weather, including Newark, JFK, and LaGuardia. 
AAA says today will be one of the busiest days on the roads of the long holiday weekend, with average travel times up nearly 30% over normal. A Virginia sheriff is being accused of giving out deputy badges in exchange for cash bribes. Culpeper County Sheriff shot Scott Jenkins was arrested Thursday on federal charges. Prosecutors say Jenkins took bribes and campaign contributions of over $72,000 from eight people, including two undercover FBI agents. In exchange, he allegedly gave them auxiliary department deputy sheriff badges he claimed would allow them to carry concealed weapons without a permit in all 50 states. Three other men were also charged with conspiracy to exchange bribes. Former President Donald Trump says Russian President Vladimir Putin has been somewhat weakened by the Wagner mutiny. Trump gave a phone interview to Reuters on Thursday and said Putin is still strong but has been somewhat weakened in the minds of a lot of people. He added, though, that if Putin were no longer in power, it could be far worse. The world's oldest newspaper is folding today. The Austrian government is shutting down the the Wiener Zantug, which has been published in Vienna for more than 300 years. For weeks, the front page has had a red number counting down the days until the last edition. Today, the front page carried a red number zero. The paper began publishing in 1703 when it was founded by Emperor Leopold I. It was published by the Republic of Austria, and last fall, the federal government decided to shut it down without giving any reason. And the government of Italy is reportedly contacted Mark Zuckerberg about holding a UFC fight against Elon Musk in the place where gladiators fought, the Colosseum. According to TMZ, sources say Italy's Minister of Culture reached out to Zuckerberg a few days ago about staging the Meta-CEO's fight against the Tesla, Twitter, and SpaceX chief in Rome's entry in the Seven Wonders of the World. TMZ reports its sources say Zuckerberg and Musk would love to throw down in the Coliseum. In sports, the Red Sox are beginning a three-game series tonight against the Toronto Blue Jays. The first pitch is at 7.07 p.m. in Toronto. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. Today we'll see a decent amount of sunshine after some morning fog. It will be warm and it will be muggy with a high near 81. For tonight, partly cloudy with fog developing after midnight, your low near 62. Saturday, partly sunny with a slight chance of a shower in the afternoon, your high in the low 80s. Every Sunday, mostly cloudy with a good chance of showers and a high near 81. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Kelly Bates on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 67 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. And we're going to take a quick break and be right back in just a few moments. All right, welcome back. It's the weekend. It's time to get some delicious food, right? So let's check in with Eric over at the butcher shop. Good morning, Eric. How's it going over there today? Hey, what's going on, bro? Not much, not much. Looking forward to, uh, to having some real summer weather now, and that means getting out there and having some delicious food on the grill. But before we get into that, what what are you guys cooking up at the uh, at the butcher shop today that people uh, can today, come in and grab? Today I got cashola, I got lobsters, I got everything, man. Anything you want, I got. Whatever your heart desires, I got, man. <laughs> so people are probably going to start coming in now and start grabbing up all their stuff for this weekend. They've got you know the Cape Verdean parade. We've got the Fourth of July coming up. Everybody's going to be out there grilling. What what do you have that they can throw on the grill? I got a nice terrace major. Terrace major, it's like uh, it's like filet mignon almost. It's but it's a good tip. It's a nice steak tip. Comes out real good. I got tomahawk steaks. 
I got lobsters this weekend. I got split chicken breasts on sale. They're cheap, good ones. I got stuffed shrimp. I got T-bones, marinated. I got hot dogs, hamburgers, whatever you want. You know, I was looking at the lobster tank when I was in there the other day, and these aren't those little skinny things that you see in the supermarket. These are the real lobsters that are actually worth, you know, the time of going out there yeah. and, and getting them and cooking them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're full shell, man. They're nice ones. They're hard shell. They're nice. Good price, Eleven ninety nine a pound. Can't go wrong. No, not at all. So what are you going to put on the grill this weekend? What are you going to have for Fourth of July? Oh, man, honestly, I don't even know, dude. Everything. We, we take a little bit of everything. We take tomahawks, we take T-bones, we take uh, Terrace Major, we take filet, we take it all. So, I mean, the tomahawks, I think everybody's all about those these days. But you go out into a restaurant, you see them on the menu, they're hugely expensive, but it's a lot cheaper to make it at home and uh, probably cheaper. better quality getting it from you. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's for sure, man. You know, they do good at the restaurants, but nothing like home. When you make it yourself, you do whatever you want with it, it comes out the way you want, and it's the way to go. Are they are they difficult to, to grill, being so no. big? No. You just sear it real quick hard, and then you lower the heat, and then you let it cook real slow, and I think that's the best way to make it. There you go. All right. Well, I think everybody's going to have to go on down to the butcher shop, 123 Dartmouth Street, and grab up all their meats and everything else that they need. There's so much stuff there. And, of course, don't forget to go downstairs and get that perfect bottle of wine for your, for your weekend celebrations. Beer and wine. A lot of beer and wine and soccer balls. <laughs> yes. The so and I, when I looked up and I saw all those soccer balls, I said, man, like, I can't imagine that you can ever go anywhere in the city and say, well, where are we going to get a soccer ball from? Nobody brought it's a ball. cheaper than dicks here, dude. I'm telling you, it's like <laughs> 16 bucks for a soccer ball. Well, <laughs> they're nice ones. They're quality from Portugal. Very good deal. All right. Well, thank you, sir. You have a great weekend. We'll probably talk, yeah, to, you on, talk, to, we'll you. Probably talk to you Monday and get a little uh, 4th of July extra push there for you. All right, bro. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. You have a great day. <laughs> That's Eric over at the Butcher Shop. Again, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford. You can get yourself some great deals. Head on over there. I like to go over there and get that pre-made food. But, of course, it's 4th of July weekend. you got to get something to put on the grill. All right. Let's get back to the phone calls. Phone lines are lit up, so we'll go right back to them. Good morning. You are next on WBSM. Good morning, Ken. Gilly Sackiels. Good morning, Gilly. Good morning. I just want to correct a couple of things that Linda said. What's that? The first one is where she said the benches are back on the east wall. They took two benches out from the west wall where they put the screen. Those seats that you could sit five to six people on each one. That's 12. Ten, let's say 10. She put a bench, which is half, and only three people can put it in on the east wall. The second thing I want to say, she made a comment about disruptive behavior, which everybody knows applies to me. Am I right? Uh, yes. I, I think at this point, even if people don't know who you are, they know that you are, the, uh, you are the, the discussion point when it comes to these things. Okay. Now, she made a comment that I disrupted the meetings, and some of them didn't even apply. And she also said the cops were called. Him, if I disrupted the meetings, why was I not arrested? She well, arrested me before. Some, I mean, some, sometimes they like to just give you a warning. They don't always have to put you in cuffs. But the meeting was shut off. That's, that's what she said. The disruptive behavior or one person. If I was wrong and I told a cop, a sergeant to arrest me, they didn't arrest me, both things, but they called the meetings off and they paid the detail police officers, $54 an hour for four hours. So 
What did I do wrong? If I was that bad of a person, I should have been arrested. You got to do something wrong to be arrested. So I didn't do anything wrong. They chose to that field. She chose to aggravate me by taking my pictures when she was on a chair. That's all I want to correct with you guys. Okay. I didn't get arrested. All right, so nope. She came here disrupting the meeting and putting one bench back, a half a bench, at the end. It's ridiculous. And the only reason they did that is because all the uprage about sitting capacity in there. That's all I want to say. All right. Well, you have a good weekend. You too. Take it easy. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, good morning, Tim. How you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, we have a lot of problems in this city. Uh, you know, according to the FBI record, uh, the most dangerous cities in, uh, in Massachusetts, New Bedford is number four. The national average, because uh, it's every two years you get the numbers. But according uh, to 2021, which is the last year of reporting, uh, 2021 national U.S. average, including all cities and towns in the country, is uh, 395 per 100,000. In the city of New Bedford, the total crime rate here is 3,089 per 100,000. And the other problem we have in the city is a lot of these three-decker homes and multi-unit homes are being sold to these uh, big real estate groups. They're buying all these homes, most of them, rather. And uh, the zoning, you know, when, you're, when a gentleman said that uh, spoke with a city council and there's not much they can do, well, if that's what the answer they have, then they need to step down. Because the other problem is we need to, the zoning board needs to crack down on uh, renting by rooms. Because uh, always historically you rent by the apartment, and uh, and a good example of that is there's a lime green house right behind uh, uh, Market Baskets. They're on Union Street. Mm -hmm. They rent by the room, and that's another reason that's compounding the parking problem on our streets. All the congestion. Well, I mean and, uh, that, that particular building has a lot. They have a parking lot for for the people that rent there. Right, but what I'm saying is the zoning board needs to crack down on on the number of units uh, being, uh, rather, uh, renting by the room. And the other thing is, in the state of Massachusetts, uh, 10% the state says that all cities and towns have to have 10% affordable housing, which means uh, government-subsidized uh, housing, Section 8. Um, no, it, uh, it doesn't mean just. It doesn't mean just that. It has to be. It has to be at a rate that um, is income adjusted. So if you if you if you make less, you pay less. But it's not. It doesn't have right, to be but, subsidized. But, but but predominantly is it's uh, subsidized housing, Section Eight, and so mm -hmm. forth. And you know, I was reading an article not that long ago uh, that the city uh, is affordable housing here far exceeds ten percent. It's somewhere around fifty one percent. And if you can check what today's numbers is, uh, I, I was trying to remember where I read that what news article, but uh, that's that's high. Well, I think that's fairly common for a city, though, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be that way for a city? With a city like New Bedford? W with any city. Well, compared to Boston. You're going to have well over 10%, I would think, in any city. And the other thing is, too, is I recall, and let me just say, Jim Phillips does a great job on Town Square Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I remember an interview we had with uh, Elena DeSilva Hughes of the Immigration Assistance Center. And one thing that really astounded me, she says, every day in the city of New Bedford, migrants are coming in, many without their parents. And that's also con compounding the 
uh, finding a, a, an apartment to live in. Okay. Well, all, all, right, all Tim, points taken. You. you have a good weekend. Thank you. thank you very much for giving me the time, and you have uh, a good a good day, okay, uh, Tim? You as well. And uh, the, to the last caller that's on hold, I ask that you just hang on one second because uh, I am I got to make sure I take these couple of breaks that I have left. So as soon as we come back from the break, I will go right to you. Now. And welcome. And I am just about out of time, but callers, hang on. Marcus and Chris would love to talk to you coming up in just a few moments. Uh, they will have, of course, a great show, as they always do. And Marcus, your Friday shows, you find your Friday morning shows were as wild as your Friday night shows were on South Coast tonight? I'm finding every day is Every day is like a South Coast tonight Friday. Friday so uh, they'll have you coming up next and then later on.